Sylvia Gonzalez-Scherer, Artistic Director of Hanford Multicultural Theatre Company. Welcome to HMTC Behind the Scenes Podcasts. We are based in the Central Valley in Hanford, California. The town of Hanford is about 40 miles south of Fresno, 218 miles from San Francisco, and 195 miles from Los Angeles. Hanford Multicultural Theatre Company's mission is theater for all people. We're here to enrich the community with performance arts opportunities. And we also have a number of things that we do for our community who want to experience the performing arts. They include acting, improv, playwriting, and puppetry classes for people of all ages. Recently, we have added lights and sound design class sponsored by the Hanford Rotary Club. Today, we have Raymond Gomez who directed Death of a Social Security Benefit. We would like him to tell us all about this success. Welcome, Raymond. Thank you, Sylvia. <laughs> so good to have you here. And it's kind of nice with a little bit of a, the lifting of the, you know, restrictions in California that I can actually interview you face to face. So this is wonderful. So how you been? I've been good. Uh, definitely. It's an honor to be here to be interviewed by you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for coming. This is excellent. So I'd like to, um, and I remember telling you this uh, a while back that uh, the Death of a Social Security Benefit play uh, was a directing experience for you. Oh, yes, definitely. (laughs) It was my first uh, directing show experience. I've done multiple shows before, but this is my first time actually directing the show. So there are other budding directors out there and your experience is very valuable. Of course, it's it's uh, specific to you, but also you probably have some general tips and some things that maybe happened that you didn't expect and how you overcame them. But definitely, we like to hear everything you have to say about this experience. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so where do we begin? We begin at the beginning when the the artistic director handed you a script. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so when you first approached me about directing the show, I there was a there was two parts of me. One part I was super excited, and the other part I was afraid. And it's interesting that those two appear. Because they both, in terms of energy, they both hold the same amount of weight. So either you can be excited and be full of excitement, or you can be nervous and full of nervousness. Um, One's going to limit you, the other one's going to make you grow. So it's just a matter of tuning into which energy it is that you want to go forward in your life. Well, it's a big responsibility, and we knew that. But uh, we also had faith in you. We knew that you can accomplish this. Thank you. And you did. We had a successful show. We had a fake cadaver on our stage. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. <laughs> we better tell the audience about the cadaver. Yes. Um, so in the play, one of the main characters dies. So throughout the show, the other character has to make the appearance that the character is still alive. That way she can keep getting the Social Security benefits because... There was a nine-month 
window period that they needed to be married in order for them to keep receiving all of the benefits after it went past. So that cadaver, it was it was quite funny, especially, you know, the little gags of the ear coming off and the lip and the eyebrow and the hair. <laughs> A lot of people uh, found it extremely funny, and the way you staged it was really incredible. So, um, you know, you gotta you gotta pat yourself on the back for some of the elements that yeah, right now. Pat your back, <laughs> very good. We hear the patting uh, because uh, it, it it's not your traditional play. Definitely, it's not like uh, giving you Ar Gurney's play, the dining room where all the action happens in the dining room. I mean, this one had some sound effects that were um, unique and exquisite and a cadaver or a person dying on stage. And, you know, it's, of course, all in comedy, but black comedy, as they, they call it. And uh, you handle it very well. So we, we are very proud of you on that. So anything else? Anything else? Okay, so the script was given to you. You, you were a little bit of a wreck about it. Happy, but a little bit of a wreck. Um, what happened after that? Uh, immediately after that, I read the full script. Um, I read the full script and I was, I read the full script and as I was reading it, these different ideas just, just kept popping into my head. Um, so then I kind of got the hint that I needed to have a notebook with me so I can write down those ideas. Um, yeah, let that be one lesson to be learned. <laughs> Keep <laughs> always, a notebook. Always carry a notebook with you. <laughs> Because uh, you just don't know when that inspiration is going to happen. You can be literally walking down the street and you'll see something and it'll rem- it'll remind you back into, oh, it can tie into this scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it's important. Either you have a notebook or you use your notes on your phone. Um, but yeah, any kind of way to document your ideas. That way later on you can go back to them and explore those ideas. And in terms, this was my first comedy that I directed. This is the first comedy that I've done, period. <laughs> um, usually everyone tells me that I have like a, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, a dry sense of humor. So for me to actually direct a comedy, it was, this is where the, the nervousness came from because, you know, that limiting, that limiting, that limiting voice in your head that says, you're not, you're, not, you're not funny, you can't do it. But then you just have to ignore it. You have to tune it out and um, just... Allow, allow yourself that grace to keep moving forward and allow it to unfold naturally. Yeah, everyone has an inner saboteur. Everyone does. I myself as a playwright, every time I write a play, I think to myself, oh, this is great. And then a day later I go, this sucks. This is so bad, you know. Uh, and then I just kind of, you know, I don't know. I don't know what it is until I, I find the strength to you know, tell my inner saboteur off and say, go away, you know, this is my project and go forward. And uh, you're younger. So, you know, that, uh, that happens, you know, maybe more so with people who haven't lived a long time. (laughs) I don't want to say I lived a long time, but I guess I have, but I certainly have lived a long theater time. Yeah, I would say your, your experiences have taught you the lessons that you've learned. Right. um, That have, helped you grow yeah and use it as a staircase 
There you go. And and um, it being your first directing experience, it was your first staircase to go up. And so, of course, you know, everything that uh, may have made you think that, you know, this is a, a little bit more of a challenge. Um, it was just basically part of that life life uh, experience that we all have and you know like learning how to ride a bike you fall off or you know you get scared should I go down the street no 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 and then you do and then you gain experience and then you have more confidence so it's the same kind of journey I think yeah I I would agree that that's like the similar journey um I remember there were some times during the show where I where I was a little nervous on how it was coming out um, in terms of, like, the set. Like, because my mind had a specific image. So then when I wasn't able to bring that image to fruition or to physical reality, it kind of disappointed me. Yeah, well, and that's what happens with theaters, small theaters. Yeah. You know, there's no money, you yeah. know, you you know, because I remember your your vision for the set. And I loved it tremendously. Uh, but it was, you know, getting into possible dollars that we didn't have. But anyway, if anybody's out there and is a millionaire, would you give us some money so we can <laughs> we can do Broadway-type shows, at least Broadway-quality shows? But we're, we're just like a lot of uh, theater companies across the country who, um, you know, get by on a shoestring and do their very best. And, you know. Yeah, and honestly, it's just you putting out the very best of yourself you're going to put yourself in the next possible outcome that will um how do i describe this oprah winfrey in one of her interviews she talked she addresses luck because someone asked her about luck and in her interview she says she doesn't believe in luck she believes in the moment of opportunity meeting the preparation you can't have you can't there's no such thing as luck in my terms because you have to be prepared in order for you to actually take that next take, step. Yes, yeah. thank you for that <laughs> for me. Yeah, yeah, that actually is very uh, thought pondering what uh, you're saying. Well, okay, so um, and and with anybody, I mean, I remember somebody when I was acting, you know, doing my first show, somebody gave me a script and it, it actually was called Agnes of God. And uh, it turned out I got the leading role and it had uh, something like 60 to 100 pages that I had to memorize. And I, I can't do this. I've never done this before, but somehow I made it through and um so i but i did feel that anxiety that terrible terrible anxiety oh i also got another story <laughs> i know this is about you but i'm going to throw this in because you know it has to go down in history i was in a, a community theater cl- um, um play and i played a puerto rican prostitute and I, at that time i was a kindergarten school teacher <laughs> And I, in bet, the, I bet those parents were, weren't too happy. I was very nervous about that. And um, uh, lo and behold, the director thought I should go topless at some point. And I said, uh, number one, I'm not getting paid for this, this job. Number two, I'm a kindergarten teacher, and I'm not going to ruin my career for this play. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and number three, uh, we are miles and miles and miles away from Hollywood, so it's not going to make or break me, okay? (laughs) There you go. There you go. (laughs) However, um, I was so stressed out by that because that was his expectation that um, I bursted a blood vessel in my eye. And the and my left eye, the whole left eye was all the white part was all red. Oh my goodness! So I was I became a very scary looking prostitute in a play by Lanford Wilson called <laughs> Hotel Baltimore. And so, ah, so I know the nerves that you're talking about. Any anything new theatrically, especially when the the ultimate presentation is in front of an audience, and you want the audience, you know, to 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 enjoy what you're bringing out there so there is that stress level so yeah it's it's a it's a bigger stress level than your normal yeah and honestly going back to when you had first approached me um about directing the show the reason why i felt excited is because all of my experience from studying in the universities of the lighting and the sounds and the actual acting and then um my previous job working as one of the assistants for the set designers. Um, it it definitely kind of felt right. It, I felt prepared enough to take on that responsibility, and that's why I took it on, because I had already... Prepped. Paid, yeah, yeah, I had already prepped for it, pretty much. That's great. You know, and I actually didn't even know that. I knew, I knew you had some education behind you theatrically, but I didn't know you were an assistant to a set designer. Or? Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, back then in that university, mm-hmm. we would do uh, three main productions a year, uh, a semester. And um, I remember the toughest one that we, the toughest set we built was for um, the Passion Play where we had to build like all the crosses and all of the staircases were made out of wood. Um, and then we had like a 20 foot day off Moschina. Mm. Yeah. So that was one experience that definitely was very con- uh, time consuming, energy consuming. But then afterwards you felt that great sense of pride that you were able to be a part of that. Uh this is great this is great you know that you had that background in it it prepared you and prepped you and uh and you were able to uh reach into that and make it work for you so i'm really happy for that um but i remember um talking to a university and it was in i think of the university of austin in texas in austin and, and I kind of feel bad, a little bit bad about this, but um, those students were getting the great education that you got, you know, set design, learning about everything, every aspect of theater with the acting and, and um, uh, audio, you know, lights. And, um, and so, you know, I'm happy that that education's out there. And, and, but one of the things that I suspected was, and, and not only did I suspect it, I already knew from, from being invited to do um, some of my plays around the country is that there's a lot of little theaters like this one and, and you don't have that stuff. And so I had to break it to those kids that um, the, the, the wonderful experiences they're getting with high tech lighting and high tech sound and, you know, lots of money for set designs is not necessarily what they're going to see in the outside world. And their faces just went blank. Like, what? I go, 
Yeah, I said, you know, there are some theaters that actually began with tin cans and little light bulbs inside it. And, you know, like, no, you know, and, and in fact, one of the first plays that I went to in Chicago when I moved there, um, we paid our ticket at the ticket box and they gave us a little piece of carpet, like a, you know, one of those carpet samples that are about 12 by 12 yeah. to sit on the floor to watch a play. Wow. You know, and so I was accustomed to that. Yeah. And then afterwards I saw, oh, you know, you can go spend a lot of money, but I'm used to those. Uh, I call it primal theater, you know, just. From, the the ones that are start, starting out. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 And in fact, as you remember, you acted for us. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we were outdoor theater. Or, oh, yes. Or, we were outdoors. Uh, playing hundred and something degree weather in when in actuality it was like 30 degrees outside 30 degrees outside and we had to get down to our chonies our our underwear exactly not everyone did that but i think i did that you did that i did that you you took your shirt off and really gave the essence of it's 140 degrees in here and yet it was only 30 degrees outside and And i was sick and then you got sick and i felt so guilty for that because i put my actors you know outdoors but we had no place to go until now yeah until now but but you know when you're part of that journey of seeing Things how when they're first starting off, but then when you see the big changes of, we got our place, then we got the we got money for the lighting instruments and for the sound, you know, it, and it just starts tying together. It, it's, an indescribable amount of pride. You probably have the same kind of pride where you you started with us early on and we were outdoors and we had a trailer and we used plywood for, you know, and cinder blocks for stage. And now where we are now, where we have actual curtains and we have actual lighting and really good sound system and, you know, a place for people to sit. And and actually the, the latest thing is we bought cushions for their little behinds when they sit so we're really evolving and and i don't know if it happens to you but when i walk into this theater i just smile real wide because i remember we were you know itinerant we were outdoors you know just make trying to make it happen oh yeah i the the (laughs) moment i start unlocking the door and i start walking in and i see all the lights and i just see the stage i i'm just in awe because it's 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 a great reflection of all the hard work that we we all we put all to, put in together yeah. yeah yeah and that also includes the community for coming out and supporting us too yeah, yeah. exactly because the community does come out and and i do have to say california arts council oh yes um they noted that here we are in a rural, basically a rural community a uh, vi- lot of diversity here a uh, lot of um uh, people of nas- different nationalities and the fact that we came as Hanford Multicultural Theater Company and trying to embrace everyone and get them involved, um, you know, in the performing arts. I think they've they've taken a little, you know, um, how would I say? I mean, I still have to fill out the applications for the grants correctly. Uh, it's not a shoe in, but I think uh, when they when we win, I think they smile. I think so too. Yeah, because uh, um, we're doing what their mission is. So, really wonderful. Okay, so let's go into the nitty gritty. How was it directing? Because you had okay, and you had um, 
a 89-year-old, I think he was 88 at the time, now he's 89. He had an 88-year-old actor, uh, very different uh, ideas, different uh, background, different training. Uh, in fact, um, what's impressive is he got his SAG card in 1960. I don't think I've ever met somebody who's gotten their SAG card in 1960. And, and um, uh, I filled in in the role uh, it wasn't my intention. There was an actress that we wanted to use who was, you know, closer to his age, but the play um, was a little too close to her. She herself was married to a, a, a gentleman who died uh, before that, I guess, two years. In her state, it was two years. You have to be married for two years. Otherwise, you can't get the widow benefits or, the, uh, you know, in inherit or get his social security. So when she read the play. She just couldn't do it. Aww. Yeah, it's just too close. Now, okay, let's look at it from another perspective. It was so close that she could have done it perfectly. Yeah. Uh, but I think it was too close to the point that she couldn't go beyond, you know, the, the closeness of it. And so I stepped in. <laughs> and, and, you per and you played it perfectly. Okay, thank you very much. Especially with that, with the voice. Well, with the voice, you know, Jack, Jack. Yeah. But <laughs> 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 anyway, but okay, so, so you had four actors. We had Sarah, who was a, a novice actress. We had Greg, who's done a lot of performances with us before. I did Boxcar with him. Yes, right, you did Boxcar Twice. with him. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. We have an ensemble, basically. Wow. But anyway, so so directing, the blocking, putting people in places, did you have to write all that down in a notebook? Or Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Everything was, I had a specific notebook specifically just for the show. Um, I had different notes, um, but I would actually just make the notes during the rehearsals. That way it was easier for you guys to make the adjustments on stage instead of waiting till the rehearsal was over in order to correct all that. Very good. Um, and that's what I've learned from previous experiences, from being on previous shows. You know, typically the director would wait till the very end in order to give the notes. Yes, that's true. And, you know, I've, I wanted to go with that idea, but then I was like, you know what, now it's, we're, this is completely new. We're revamping everything. Um, this, this, for me to correct the, you know, to correct the actions on stage feels more natural to do it while it's being done rather than waiting to the very end to give that note. That's true. Um, you did it organically. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about that. Yeah. Well, great, great, uh, great uh, technique. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. So um, I'll think about that when I try to my show. <laughs> that's very good. All right. So, um, so, okay. Okay, so my next question would be, um, was it difficult to work with the actors? Certain actors, it was a bit difficult um, just because of the way they were taught acting um, in terms of what their previous experience was. So it was difficult for them to let go of their ways, their habits, their um, methods. And it was more difficult for them to try something new. Um, but fortunately, I have been taking a lot of uh, mental health resources, so like therapy and um, 
you know, going out on hikes and just learning how to contain myself Mm -hmm. and not be so reactive. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that that definitely helped me in terms of being able to manage and direct other actors. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Directing is a, is a big tough one. Um, I remember uh, one director who, who just basically broke everybody's confidence down. Just that was his method. Cause I asked him, I said, why, why are you uh, tormenting the actors? He says, well, I just want to break them down and then build them back up. And I'm like, that's screwy. I, I don't like, I don't like how that method is. No, that was a terrible method. And of course it made some actors want to run over him when he crossed the street, you know? <laughs> so yeah. So you're speaking from experience. Yes, I on am that speaking. One. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was young. I was early twenties. Okay, um, but anyway. Well, now we know. Don't, don't now I know Sylvia. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, honestly, yeah. I believe in building up people, building mm-hmm. up actors, um, because at the end of the day, I was in their shoes. At the end of the day. You have that, an actor always carries that nervousness of going on stage. Now, it doesn't mean that the actors completely didn't do any of their work, but it's just that adrenaline, that natural adrenaline Mm -hmm. before you go on stage. So if you already know, you as a director already know that the person has adrenaline, why would you try to build them down? I would rather just build them up and build their confidence that way they can carry that adrenaline and turn it into excitement for the show, for the performance. That okay. way they can focus on that rather than having that little, that little inner saboteur. Yeah. The inner saboteur coming out and, yeah. and just being there. Um, I actually watched a um, off Broadway uh, playwright work with some well-known actors who really wanted to work with her. Uh, but her method of directing uh, and, and, and they were used to something different. But her method of, of directing was to uh, choreograph every movement of their hand, which way the head would move, which way they would turn, and how they would turn. In fact, just uh, um, just controlling every single part of the of the actor's, um, uh, I guess, movement. And these uh, these were named actors who. Um, couldn't take it yeah. couldn't take it anymore and um and i can see i can understand yeah. her perspective because she wants to she has a specific vision that she wants to come into fruition but i've learned that you're not so i've learned and uh, i've learned this through leadership is that a good leader a good director is going to say hey let's do it together this way um but i'm not going to micromanage you right because you're an individual who has creative ideas that may work better than my than the director's vision um so i don't think it's fair to micromanage every single movement and that's the term micromanage um you know when i when i give uh, acting classes or i talk to actors i i tell them there's going to be all different types of directors and it's a it's good experience to try each one i mean it just happens you know you'll get a good director you'll get a terrible director you'll get a, a crazy director and and i 
I say, go ahead and just move with the flow because you're going to learn something. You're going to learn how you don't like that method and, or you're going to learn. And in fact, in fact, the, the director that I told you who broke people down, um, I was never even thinking that I'd ever direct anything, but I remember saying to myself back then, I'm never going to be like him. I'm never going to destroy people, actors on stage, never going to do that. And then many years later, here I am, and I work with uh, actors, and I don't do that. I, right. will, I will not do that. So so even though that was the probably one of the worst experiences that I ever had and probably would have been put to jail, <laughs> put in jail if I did run over him um, with my car, um, with sunglasses on, so maybe nobody would know who I was, but I didn't care, but... Yeah. Anyway, I just figured. Well, no, let's. I, but, I, but I'm going off. I'm going off. But, but it's the contrast. It's right. the contrast of the rockets of desires that we don't want. Okay. In, in order for you to know what you truly want, you also have to experience the things that you don't want. Exactly. Because then it gives you a clear picture. And yes, yeah, sometimes those experiences suck. Oh and yeah. Yeah. In the moment, you want to just cry, or you want to punch something, or Whatever. Or kill somebody. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, but I didn't. <laughs> but but what matters is just the lessons that you learn that you don't need to keep repeating the same mistakes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I know our listeners are picking up on on <laughs> on on well, you know, on it, it it's it's a it's a really, it, it could be very emotional experience. It could be a very, you know, exhilarating experience. And then ultimately you learn so much about humanity from, from the whole thing, actually. Oh, yeah. And you learn about yourself, you know, what your tolerance is and what it isn't. Um, I want to now jump into uh, your plan to do a documentary. Um, is that okay if we just go into that? I know it's yeah, still absolutely. in the beginning stages, but... Um, so I have yeah. I actually... Originally, from when we first talked, it was just that one idea of um, doing it into like one big documentary of uh, injustices. Um, but as I was writing and as I was thinking out loud, so many different injustices ha have happened. So that's why I'm thinking of instead of doing a documentary movie, I'm going to do it in two segments of one hour. And it'll be like on a weekly basis. Oh, that's interesting. Um, I'm still in the process of looking for the actual experts, like the therapists and, um, you know, the social justice people, mm -hmm. activists who are all about that. And I would like to interview them for that. And then also interview other people in the community um, and, you know, just put it together because I believe everyone has a story that needs to be heard. That's true. That's very true. So, and HMTC supports you on that. We got the cameras, we got audio, you know, so we'll definitely help you with that. So, well, that's so cool. That is so cool. Okay. So now I want to go into a Spanish language theater. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to preface this, um, uh, a long time, well, when I was in college, I got to study abroad, and I spent it in Italy. Okay, all my friends went to Spain. I'm like, I know, I know that culture. I know, you know, how to speak Spanish. Uh, I want to try something totally new. So uh, I went to Italy for a year, and uh, 
I ventured into their theater. And the, of course, they only spoke, you know, Italian. Italian. But it was mesmerizing. The, the emotion, you know, you don't, you don't have to be told exactly what they're saying. If they're good actors, which these guys were. Um, the actions will speak. Exactly. That words, that words cannot express. It, oh, beautiful, beautifully said. So, um, so I, when we start with HMTC, yeah, it's always been in the background for me to like um, uh, try a pure language speaking uh, theater. And I think we got the population for that. And I'm going to thank you for taking the baton and making that dream come true for our theater. uh, Because I believe uh, you're interested in doing this. Yes. Yes? Okay, good. Okay, now I I got it on. I got it on tape. You said yes. Um, I'm legally obligated. (laughs) (laughs) And also, um, just so people don't feel excluded, we have screens where we can project uh, English subtitles. Oh yeah, but I also think with the colleges that are nearby um, uh, and the high schools, that this would be a good thing for um, Spanish teachers to send their kids to and go. Absolutely. Sp- yeah, and uh, learn. Uh, you know, watch uh, an actor speak Spanish, and uh, have them communicate. And and you go, okay, what's going on here? And then if you need to look at the screen and see the English subtitles, you get it, and then you continue back with the with the the, the play. So um, so of course we're going to meet uh, after our recording here and, and talk about some uh, details on that because I really think it could happen. Uh, of course, we you know we're going to try to get a grant for it. But even if we don't get a grant, we're going to push through because um, I'm really committed to that. But uh, you mentioned you had some play ideas. Uh, would you like to tell our you know our listening crowd about some of your plays? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So one of the plays that came to mind was my footing into this theater company, which is Boxcar. Oh yeah. I. The moment I read the play, it hit so close to home uh, because my my grandparents, they came from Mexico. They immigrated to Mexico. Um, and when my grandma came to see the performance, um, you know, she cried. She cried. And, you know, later on when we were t- talking about it, she was saying, yeah, it reminded me of, like, my brothers and, you know, their experiences when they came. So that's why I was, like, so touched with it, even though she only speaks Spanish and we performed it in English. But yet she's still, again, that's when the actions are so good that the language barrier is not even present. It transcends. It does transcend. Wow. Um, so that's why um, I'm thinking of performing Boxcar again or directing Boxcar, but in Spanish, especially in this community, because there are a lot of... Uh, Families that migrant families that that um, live in around the Central Valley, um, so it's in a way to be a voice for them. So that way they can that way they can feel safe in their environment and know that there are resources here for them. That you know it doesn't matter what language you speak, there's still a place here for you. And it says you're important too. And it says you're important. That's awesome. Wow. The, the power of theater. The power of theater. Oh, 
You know, it's, uh, I know that, um, you know, kids nowadays, um, you know, they're into their TikTok and all that. And, and all that is great. And that fascinates me. But I think live theater, if they experience live theater, good live theater. Yes. Um, and, and, and we're not talking um, theater that has special effects and um, theater that, uh, you know, has all the bells and the whistles. I mean, you know, you can get good theater with just a, a box on stage and, a, and an actor and maybe one light, and and that can transcend to the audience. Oh yeah, I I remember seeing a couple of those in the Fringe Festival, when when we did Boxcar at the Fringe in Fresno, um, you know it was just these different actors from across the country that came, and a lot of them were just one one person shows, uh, but yet their acting abilities transcended, and I felt that movement within my own personal art. And and that's what makes theater. Yeah. That's what makes theater. Well, is there anything you want to add? Uh, do yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, actually yeah. I do. Let's, let's go. Um, so for anyone who's listening, who is at a crossroads right now that doesn't know whether they should just keep being on their path or if they should go into something that scares them. Okay. Obviously... When I mean that, I mean it in thing in terms of growth. Okay, if it's not safe for you to do it and it scares you, don't do it. But if it's safe but it scares you, that's where your growth lies. So you just got to trust yourself in the process of the whole journey. Um, yes, there are going to be times when you feel like giving up. There are going to be times that you're just emotionally drained. There are going to be times when people are trying to provoke you, trying to get a reaction and a response from you. You just have to maintain your own energy. You have to trust yourself and know that everything's going to be all right during after you know once the whole process is completely done. You just got to trust yourself, um, and know that you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Wow, that's awesome! You should. You should be teaching. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'll be a life coach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's phenomenal, and 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 a very important thing to say now, because a lot of people have been feeling down. You know, I think the pandemic has brought people down into you know uh, an area that I don't know. Just uh, they're not growing because we haven't had the opportunities to grow. Yeah. Um. Oh, so with that. Yeah. Um. There are going to be times when it's contrasting. So, like, example, the pandemic. Right. Okay. The best thing you can do for yourself is to find things that bring you happiness on a microscopic level. And I mean that, I mean that in terms of listen to your favorite music. Do karaoke. Even if you don't do it well do it why because it's it's just that action of connecting back to your inner child and allowing that inner child to flourish because that inner child always believes in infinite possibilities and we live in an abundant world where all those infinite possibilities are available you just gotta connect back to your inner inner child wow Oh, you take my breath away. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> With a lot of things that you say, you take my breath away. Okay, any more? 
Um, <laughs> we're going to have to do a part two. We are going to have to do a part we're two. We're going to have to do a part two. We're going to have to have you come back again and um, give us some more of your insight. I mean, you're a young man. I'm an, a different <laughs> age person. And uh, <laughs> and um, I have my experiences, but I'm, I'm actually very impressed by all your thought patterns, you know, at this young. So, um, you know, you're very philosophical and, and uh, I, I know you have a lot of uh, talent and creative talent and uh, I'm going to see you go far. That's why I said yesterday, I think you're going to be famous. So, <laughs> Thank you. You're Thank v- you for that. You're um, very welcome. You want to say one more thing to our people out there? Actually, I think this would be a perfect segment of refreshment until we do a second interview. We're going to do a second interview. So everyone, we have been speaking with Raymond Gomez, a very, very wonderful um, person uh, for our theater company and for the community in general with all his plans on doing bilingual theater and his documentary of um, equality and justice. And there's more that's going to come from him. So I invite you back for the second time that we speak. And we can do this next week if you want. We can do part two, um, any subject, because I trust you. And so um, to our listeners, thank you for joining us. And we will see you the next time.